Coming up, I'm going to tell you the real reason why quiet quitting became a work epidemic. And then the next wave of remote work is, in fact, going overseas. I told you. I'll prove it. Let's go. Helping you win at work so that you're making more money and experiencing more meaning. And when you're doing this, your personal life is going to improve. You're no longer going to be dragging all that stress and crap home with you. I'm Ken. I'm your coach, counselor, and cheerleader. Let's go. So quiet quitting, a term that blew up last year on social media, and it's not a new phenomenon, but the term itself was a phenomenon. But as a man of the people who is trying to warn you from falling into these cultural traps, you might as well put your seatbelt on as we start today's show. I'm warning you now, it might be a little bit bumpy, but it's going to be good for you. Quiet quitters, the term quiet quitters make up, according to all the data, uh, specifically Gallup here, they're the gold standard in in the world of work and and polls and data. And and according to to Gallup, listen to this, folks, this is mind-boggling, 50% of the American workforce would consider themselves quiet quitter. Now, what does the term quiet quitting mean? As it was framed, it was, I am a quiet quitter if I do the bare minimum that is expected of me. So this is what's expected of me. I'm going to do that, and I'm not going to do anything else. Now, that's how it was framed. But as it began to take on a life of its own and catch fire on social media, what we see in all the comments, the likes and the people going, yeah, yeah, I'm a quiet quitter. Here's what we see. It's not saying I'm just going to do a good job and then go home. It's saying, I'm going to do the absolute least amount of work that I can do and not get fired. So it really became an anthem for average. Then you push people on, they go, wait a second, why should I have to do more than what's expected of me? Nobody said that. You're the morons, the snowflakes that came up with this nonsense. I mean, you think I'm being unkind. I'm not. Folks, do you understand? This is an anthem for average. I want to be average at work and in life. I want to make an average salary. Leave me alone. I mean, can you imagine going to a, a Broadway play? And and that's the that's the theme. That's what this is. People were overwhelmingly saying this. I'm gonna do the least amount of work possible. And they were saying it with vigor. There's an insidious theme below this, folks. And I call on your common sense right now. Some of you are getting angry. Some of you on YouTube are starting to feel like a snowflake. Your snowflakery is just kind of rising up. Ken, you're talking about me and it's hurting my feelings. And you are a boomer and you don't know what you're talking about. First of all, I'm not a boomer. I'm an Xer. And secondly, I do know what I'm talking about. I will acknowledge for a moment that you have been burned at work by bad leaders. I bang on bad leaders every day on this program. I'm trying to call it out. I'm trying to challenge you to not accept bad leadership, to not be a bad leader. Yes, there is a scourge of horrible leadership in this country and around the world where they mistreat people and they devalue you, and I know some of you have been burned. However... If you stay in this place of hurt and you become a victim, you will never experience victory. And I'm trying to wake some of you up. Now, quiet quitting 
is accepting average and it's stealing. But how did we get here? All right, so there's my speech on what we're dealing with. How did we get here? <laughs> it's my favorite part, Alex. I'm going to tell you how we got here. We started as a culture rewarding participation. Now, I want that to sit for a second. This is where it's going to make more of you uncomfortable. For those that I haven't offended already, we got more that you're going to get offended, but I'm trying to provoke you, not offend you. I want to provoke you to think and feel about what I'm saying. I want you to wrestle with this. Here's what happened in America. As a culture, and this was led by parents, and it was picked up on by coaches and sporting and civic activities, we began to award participation. Not effort. Participation. This is what it looked like. In 1992, I show up as a college student in Lynchburg, Virginia at Liberty University. And my mom and dad didn't make any money. So I didn't have much money. And they told me, we'll help with college, but you're going to have to work your way through. And so I did. So I showed up and I needed a job. Well, I love sports. My whole life I spent playing sports, and coaches had a profound impact on my life, and so I love coaches. So I went to the YMCA, and I said, I want to coach soccer. It was my best sport. I love the game of soccer. And, and, and so I said, I'll coach. And they were happy to see a young college kid. I'm 18 years of age, and they said, we, we've got a five- and six-year-old soccer team that you can coach. I went, all right, I'll coach five and six years old. I mean, it's like, it's like coaching cats. It's like throwing a soccer ball into a pack of cats. It's just the little kids are humans. It's the only thing that's different. And no hairballs. So we go to the coaches meeting. We sit down, and the director stands up, probably 24-year-old kid, but I'm, I'm 18, you know, and they say, all right, coaches, we're going to walk through the manual. Here's how we do this. And so I'm sitting, and honestly, I'm just looking at this piece of paper, all the guidelines. I'm really not paying attention. And then something was said by this director, and my whole head just about snapped off my neck. I was like, what? And this is what was said. We will not keep score in this league. The goal is to teach the game of soccer to these young kids and for them to have fun. And I'm looking around the room going, does anybody else hear this? This is like communism to me. You might as well have said there wasn't a God. I was that outraged. What? No score. I, I didn't hear anything else the rest of the meeting. It was like this. And I'm still over there going, anybody? Anybody? What? What do you mean we're not going to keep score? How's it going to be fun? I've never played a game in my life. Let's go from Uno to Monopoly to Connect Four to basketball to soccer to football. I've never played a game in my life where when I won, it wasn't fun. I remember the first time my mom probably let me beat her in Connect Four. I was talking trash. Why? Because it's fun to win. All right. So here's what happened. We began telling kids. It was this happening before 1992, but that was that was in the era it began to happen, the late 80s and 90s. And so it was like, hey, guess what? You put a jersey on. You show up and run around, and we're going to give you a trophy. You don't even know if you won. 
We didn't even keep score. But you know what? Those five and six year olds, they could keep score. They could realize when the other team kicked the ball in the net three times and we didn't do it at all. By the way, I want you all to know the rest of the story. I decided not to confront the director, and I decided to tell my kids at halftime and at the end of the game what the score was. Because winning is fun, and losing sucks. And when we lose, we learn. And when we lose more, we learn more, and we have a chance to win. So quiet quitting happened when we began to reward just participation, not excellence. That's how we got here, folks. Wake up. All right, folks, I'm going to tell you what we do about this participation culture here in just a second. But if you are enjoying the program, you're watching via YouTube, subscribe and like the videos. And if you're listening via the podcast, uh, if you could follow us and give us a five-star review, review that helps us grow. Okay, now I, I'm just getting warmed up. I just started stretching. And so if you're just joining, you go, you need to rewind. And I told you why we have quiet quitting as a pandemic. People who don't want to work. Wall Street Journal report came out just two weeks ago and I reported on the show. And it said that over 50% of Americans don't value hard work anymore. What? No wonder we're soft. You think think China is playing around? Now, this is not a political statement. Some of you go, well, Ken, I didn't think this was a political show. It's not. This show is about common sense. If it applies to politics, so be it. Get over it. All of this, by the way, is about you winning and your kids winning. Now, listen, I'm really fired up. For decades, we have rewarded kids for putting a jersey on and showing up. So now they get into the workforce. These are the kids that all they ever got was, you did so good, when they really sucked. They weren't good, and you told them they were good, so their life is distorted, and I'm not exaggerating. Halftime, what did they get? You're doing so good, baby. Just to make sure to drink your orange juice. Here's some orange slices. Make sure you hydrate. Let me tell you something. When I was a kid, my dad didn't say a word to me during the game. I looked over at him, and he was like this. Because I probably wasn't playing well enough. And when I got in the car, my dad didn't say, Kenny, you did so good today. Mom and I are so proud of you. You played so good. You know what he said? Hey, there were times in the game where you hustled. There were some times you were distracted. You got to be more aggressive. My dad told me what I did wrong and what I did right, but he led with what I did wrong. And guess what? I grew up with a non-distorted reality. In my reality, as I grew up and as I entered the professional world, was one that said, I've got to work hard to get better, and there are going to be days where I'm not as good as somebody else, which means I lose. That sucks. I need to figure out how to win. And I only get rewarded when I do good, and it only feels good when I win. Shocking! Shocking. But folks, listen, let's just put this into context. 
We have Gen Z and younger millennials and even the older millennials who walked into the workforce and they expected a trophy just because they showed up with their clothes on. Right? Because they grew up. Go put your jersey on. Let's go run around and have fun and not work on getting better. And when it's all over, we're just going to celebrate you and you get a trophy. And so they've expected a raise and a promotion for simply showing up. Anybody want to tell me I'm wrong? Go for it. You're wrong. I'm right. This is what's happened in the American workforce. I've been here a year. I haven't set the uh, break room on fire. I'd like a 5% raise, please. Well, well, have you done anything great? Have you won? Well, I've, I've showed up. I came to practice. Folks. So I was on Fox Business recently, and the anchor asked me, Ken, do we have a work ethic problem? And I said, no. What we have is an expectation problem, and the expectation problem is fueling the work ethic problem. Right, So I always like to, to help you folks philosophically see what is at the root of our problems personally, professionally, society. And I'm telling you, some of you are out there frustrated and angry and quiet quitting and burned out all because you haven't accepted the fact that your raise, your promotion is effective only when you are. Now, I will also acknowledge that some of you are killing it and done a great job, but you work for a crappy leader in a crappy culture and they're not rewarding you. So, But that's on you too because you can say, screw you, I'm out. I'm going to go work for somebody who wants to develop me, who believes in me. You, you do have that right. But see, what we've got is we've got a bunch of people whose feelings have been hurt because they haven't been given a trophy because they showed up. So here's what happens. Watch this. They start to feel used and exploited. Their emotions are, I'm working 40 hours a week, and the other day, my boss showed up at my cube and told me I had to do an extra TPS report, and I had to spend an extra two hours. I'm quite quitting. That's not fair. It's a temper tantrum. Why? Because they haven't been raised to do hard things. They haven't been raised to do scary things. These are two very different things. Oh, hard things. I go back to my generation. When Mr. Miyagi got Daniel's son out back, he put him on the fence and he said, paint the whole freaking fence. It was hard. And then he said, you're going to sign up for a tournament. That was scary. See, we, we have taken the hard things out of our kids' lives. We've taken the scary things out of their lives. And so hard things develop grit, and scary things develop courage. But we have an expectation problem. So I talked to two people. Well, let's call it three. Those of you who are, who are younger, or maybe you're, maybe you're my age. Maybe you're 48 and you never figured this out. God bless you. I'm sorry, it's not your fault that you weren't raised properly. But I'm here to tell you, you can turn it around. This great country, with all of its flaws, from its founders to all of us, was still built on one unifying 
message that, that resonates to the human soul all around the world. And the theme is freedom. Freedom to live the life that you want to live. But some of you are shackled and imprisoned by your own weakness and misguided perception of the world. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to live a life that is meaningful and significant to you, whether that be in your money or your work or your relationships, you must decide what that looks like. And then you must believe that you can go do it. No one's going to hand it to you. The federal government's not going to hand it to you. It ain't going to be Trump, and it ain't going to be Biden. It's not going to be your congressman. It's not going to be your senator. It ought, it's not going to be your mom and dad. Because see, all of those things, they can provide all of their little supports. But at the end of the day, the life that you want, the future that you desire, is on the back of you learning how to do hard things and scary things. Now, leaders, let me talk to you. You're hiring these people who have not been raised properly. Oh, they've been loved. They've been supported. They've been praised, but they have never had to do hard things or scary things. So now they're coming into your office and they want a trophy. So what do you do? Do you wring your hands, clutch your pearls and say, I can't hire, I can't lead this generation. No. You actually decide to lead. You teach them. Hey, let me give you clear expectations. See, leaders don't do this. You got to sit this group of people down and go, hey, let me tell you what we're asking you to do, what we're paying you to do. This is very specific what we're asking you to do and how we want you to do it and how we're going to measure them. That's first. And then you say, if you do it this way, on time, this consistently, there's going to be opportunities for you to grow. See, this younger generation, this is interesting for all. And by the way, I'm not just I'm not just getting on Gen Z and millennials. This is also my generation, Gen Xers. I got a bunch of soft guys that are my age, middle-aged guys that aren't in the workforce. There's seven million of them that are sitting at home and their wife is supporting them or their mom and daddy, and they're addicted to screens. These guys are soft. My age, soft, defeated, depressed, because they didn't get their trophy or their promotion when they wanted it. Listen, leaders, you've got to reset expectations and give people something to fight for. That spirit will rise above all that soft bubble wrap they've been in their whole life. I promise. All right, folks, uh, how many of you out there have um, felt very stuck lately professionally as a result financially? How many of you have been passed over? You're tired of getting passed over for promotion? Uh, Some of you are bored. Some of you feel like you got some ideas, but you don't know which one to pick as it relates to your future. Some of you are in debt, but you want to make more money. You want to pivot, but you don't think you can If that's you or someone you know, my breakthrough event is for you. I'm coming to four cities, April the 20th, Kansas City, just a week from 
today. Chicago, Illinois, May 16th. Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th. And Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. And at that event, I'm going to be speaking, but more importantly, it's going to be like the Ken Coleman Show live. I'm going to be taking questions live in the crowd. And I'm going to teach on a formula that I will teach uh, here at our SMART conference on Saturday. Clarity breeds confidence, and confidence breeds courage. And you want to know how to get breakthrough in any of your area of your life when life throws something at you, it is that formula. I'll unpack it and take your questions live. KenColeman.com slash events. KenColeman.com slash events. I'm telling you, somebody's listening to me and watching me right now, and you need to be there. If you're near Kansas City, April 20th, near Chicago, May 16th, near Atlanta, May 18th, near Dallas, Texas, May 23rd, it might change your life, and I mean that. So I'll see you there. KenColeman.com slash events. All right, let's go to the phone. And Maria is joining me now in Boston, Massachusetts. Maria, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, Ken. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for taking my call. Nice to meet you. What's up? Um, so I was hoping to talk to you just to get a little bit of um, you know insight, clarity, something. Um, so basically, I work in banking compliance. I'm a, a manager. Um, I'm fully remote, and I sort of I don't know. I I, get, I think I find like fell into this industry really, you know, through a friend who, who hired me back when I got out of college. And, um, so now it's been about eight years of, you know, working in a couple of different banks. And, um, I, I feel very unfulfilled. I don't enjoy what I do. I don't like the content. I don't, um, the thing is that it pays very well. I'm a single mom, no help, no, you know, no financially. And what do you make? Um, uh, one fifty. Okay. By the way, I love single moms. <laughs> I, I think I'm serious. I think you're a true hero. And I'm telling you right now, by the fact that you are a single mom, that you have what it takes to make the change. Before we get into the change, I want you to understand, if you can be a single mom, there ain't nothing you can't do. You hear me? Yes. Thank uh, you. I appreciate right. that. You bet. All right. So you're dying a slow death. Your, yes. your soul. I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, your soul is slowly seeping out of your body. So we got to make a change. That's how I feel every single day. I know. Yeah. So let's decide right now. We are going to make a change. Can we decide that right now? Yes. Okay. Great. Now let's focus on what change we want to make, and then how we get there. Okay. Okay. So when somebody tells me they fell into their work, that tells me almost every time that I've heard somebody say that to me. I fell into this. It means that for a long time you've been thinking about other things. Am I right or wrong? Uh, yeah, you're right. So what have you been thinking about the most? Um, what would you do, Maria? You've already started yeah. thinking and you just stopped yourself. Oh! Yeah. Is editing. So <laughs> let me throw it to you another way. All right? Yeah. Maria, what would you do? What would you try if I just gave you that gig tomorrow and you just got to test it out knew you were gonna do well but you just wanted to see if you liked it didn't have to commit to it for long maria tell me what was in your head a moment ago say it uh i would probably like run a gym own a gym (laughs) you'd run a gym own a gym now that feels to you sometimes and i would suggest even just now when you said it to me it felt silly yeah why does it feel silly to you? Because it's not silly. I've been to lots of gyms, and every one of those gyms had an owner. Why does it feel silly to you? 
I don't know. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's so out of my reach, I guess. There it is. That's the answer. It feels like a mountain that you will never be able to climb. Too far. Mm-hmm. Too far, too hard, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's just say for a moment that you and I, that you're sitting at the desk with me. You are no longer uh, being coached. You and I are coaching someone. Okay. And let's mm-hmm. say that that person, let's say it's, let's, 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 let's say it's a 17, 18 year old, 19 year old girl. And you're sitting in here, you're sitting in here co-hosting and you just get to give your opinion. And that, that young lady asked me, Ken, what do you think the path could look like to eventually own my own gym? And, and I said, well, hold on. Uh, I'd like Maria to answer that. Maria, what would you tell this young girl that a, a potential path could look like to eventually becoming a gym owner? What would you say? Just common sense, Maria. You're a sharp lady. What would you say? Um, probably uh, experience in the field. Um, you know, working in one to figure out how they operate. It's fantastic. I'm sitting here going, yeah, that's good advice. That's what I'd say. What else would you say? Um, what else would I say? Go on, keep going. What does that? What does that? <laughs> no. What does that person do? They're in there. They're now they're working in a gym as a trainer, maybe, right? Yeah. Or maybe they're maybe they're an assistant manager of the night desk. Whatever. They're in the gym. They're working. And what would the progression look like over time? What what else would need to happen to eventually get to that spot where you can own a gym? Um, I know I feel nervous. I'm on the spot. I know, but but, but um, stop, stop stop worrying about everybody else. It's just you and me. You got a lot of common sense. What else would you say? Yeah. So um, so aside from yeah, I guess like the experience of working there, um, mm-hmm. learning the, I don't know, the financial side of it. Yep. Um, people like meeting people and, yeah. um, all right, I'm gonna set you free cause you're working so hard and I appreciate that. Maria, okay. you gave really good mm-hmm. advice. So my point is, is you know how to get there. It's not an unscalable mountain. Will it be hard to scale that mountain? Yes. Will it take time? several years to scale that mountain to do it the right way yes because i don't want you to fall off the side of the mountain so it means i don't want you to go get over your skis and take out a big loan and try to open up a gym with little to no experience i don't want you to do that so let's back this up to real life here so i now i'm going to give you what i think the what you need to be thinking about first and foremost i want you to be sitting with why is it that I want to be working in a gym in a health environment and helping people get fit? There needs to be a really strong why. In 10 seconds or less, tell me your why. Why, why does that interest you? I mean, heart level. What, what, is, what is the why behind this? Because, um, I, I mean, I want to do something to help people, like, because I've done it for myself, and you know, in terms you of do? Like, getting healthy. What would you fit. do? What would you do? Tell me. Like learning, like losing a lot of weight. How much? Really wait, 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 wait. How much weight did you lose? Um, I don't know. Like probably like sixty, sixty. Maria, plus pounds. sixty plus pounds. It's hard for me to lose six pounds. Sixty pounds <laughs> is a lot of weight. That's phenomenal. And on the other side of that, it changed your life, didn't it? Yeah. How'd you do it? Um, exercise, <laughs> yeah, exercise, exercise um, uh, learning, nu- nutrition, uh, nutrition, yep, discipline, 
Mm-hmm. All right, then. So any woman who's a single mom who can lose 60 pounds can eventually one day own a gym in the greatest country in the world. <laughs> you can't. So now how do yeah. we get there? So now we're a single mom. We make 150000 I don't want you. So we're not going to. So you're not going to make 150000 working in a gym full time. So, okay. so I don't know how old your kids are and what kind of time you got. And my time with you is about done. I got about 20 seconds with you. So here we go. Okay. You've got to start working in a gym or for a trainer or something part-time, even if it's one day a week. I'm just getting in and I'm beginning to learn about the business and all the things that you said earlier. And I'm just going to start making extra money. And I'm going to figure out long-term what qualifications would I need to where maybe I could make a hundred grand as a manager of a very successful gym? How would I move up? I'm going to do this over time. Maybe I start doing personal training on the side and save up the money to one day I can open up a smaller gym. You can do this, Maria. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.